Good afternoon. My name is Patrick Fatuello. I am the founder and president of the nonprofit organization Horse Racing Wrongs. I've come here today to advocate what I freely admit to be an extreme position, but one I believe that is fully warranted by the facts and more important dictated by morality. And that is that horse racing in New York State, horse racing in America has run its course, that horse racing must end. For far too long, this industry has been given cover under the banner of sport, indeed the sport of kings, when in fact it is nothing but an archaic, largely non-viable gambling industry that exploits, abuses, and kills sentient beings inherently. In other words, it cannot be fixed or reformed. In other words, it is wrong from the start. Horse racing is unremitting confinement and isolation. Typical racehorse is kept locked, alone, in a tiny 12 by 12 stall for over 23 hours a day, making a mockery of the industry claim that horses are born to run, love to run, and a cruelty all the worse for being inflicted upon naturally social herd-oriented animals like horses. Horse racing is control and subjugation. It is lip tattoos, cribbing collars, nose chains, tongue ties, mouth bits, and whips. Horse racing is commodification. In the eyes of the law, racehorses are literal chattel, things to be bought, sold, traded, and dumped whenever and however their people decide. To make matters worse, they are not even afforded the protections, woefully inadequate as most are, of animal cruelty statutes, meaning a trainer or owner can grind his horse into the ground, yes, even to death with virtual impunity. What's more, the average racehorse will change hands several times over the course of his so-called career, adding anxiety and stress to an already anxious, stressful existence. Horse racing is negation. Practically all the horse's natural instincts and desires are thwarted, creating an emotional and mental suffering that is brought home with crystal clarity in the stereotypies and vices commonly displayed by confined racehorses. Cribbing, bobbing, weaving, pacing, kicking, even self-mutilation. Says world-renowned equine behaviorist Dr. Nicholas Dodman, who also incidentally is a member of our advisory board, and I quote, racehorses with long periods of confinement and isolation exhibit an unusually high prevalence of stereotypies. The suffering can be described by referencing the suffering of people in solitary confinement. A recently released man who had spent years in solitary said he sometimes felt anxiety, paranoia, panic, hallucinations, etc. The only way he could help suppress the dysphoria was to walk back and forth in his cell until the line he walked was soaked in sweat. And of course, horse racing is killing. Since 2009, when the Gaming Commission's database went live, which incidentally only came in the wake of outrage over eight bells and calls for creative transparency, over 1,300 racehorses have died at New York State tracks, an average of 137 every year. But those are just the ones we know about, the ones who died on site. How many more of the catastrophically injured were euthanized back at their owner's farm? How many more too badly damaged had to be put down after landing at a rescue? How many more still killed at private training facilities? 
Nationally, through our unprecedented FOIA reporting, Horse Racing Wrongs has documented with names, dates, and locations over 5,000 confirmed kills on U.S. tracks just since 2014. We estimate that over 2,000 horses are killed racing or training across America every year. Over 2,000. Imagine that. And just to be clear, death at the track is neither clean nor tranquil. It is cardiovascular collapse, pulmonary hemorrhage, blunt force head trauma. It is broken necks, crushed spines, ruptured ligaments, and shattered legs, occasionally shattered so severely that the limb remains attached to the rest of the body by skin or tendons only. One such horse was Heelbolt, who broke down in a 2009 race at Fairgrounds in Louisiana. An ESPN writer followed the track vet as she went to work. He writes, Heelbolt's eyes, once coldly fixed on the track, are teary and dilated. His breathing, once quick, has quickened even more. His coat, once shiny from the pumping of oil and sweat glands, has dulled. Out comes the pink. That's the euthanasia solution. The vet strokes his neck to say goodbye, then puts her left index finger on his jugular and presses down, swelling the vein. She drives the needle straight into his jugular, piercing his sweaty, leathery skin, and depresses the large plunger with her thumb, pushing in the poison, darkening the pink as it mixes with blood. After it empties, she draws out the needle and repeats the motion with the second syringe. Heelbolt falls under the railing, landing shoulder first, his nose in the dirt. He blinks rapidly for 10 seconds or so until his eyes, once beautifully alert, are blank. As his fellow horses, having just finished the race, jog by, his life is measured in shallow breaths until he is no longer breathing, until he is just 1,200 pounds of expired muscle, his bloody, shattered leg hooked on a railing. It's hard to know what a peaceful death looks like, but this isn't it. Still, that number 2,000, staggering though it is, tells but a part of the story. Each year, hundreds more die back in their stalls from things like colic, laminitis, infection, or are simply, quote, found dead in the morning. Then to slaughter, while the industry desperately tries to downplay the extent of the problem, cunningly flashing its zero tolerance policies and aftercare programs in defense. The prevailing wisdom, backed by two scientific studies, is that the vast majority of spent or simply no longer wanted racehorses are brutally and violently bled out and butchered in Canadian and Mexican slaughterhouses every year. Some 12 to 15,000 thoroughbreds alone each year. All of this, the on-track racing and training kills, the stall deaths, and the exsanguinations leads to a single inescapable conclusion. The American horse racing industry is engaged in wholesale carnage, not hyperbole, carnage. The truth is, horse racing is in decline and has been for some time now. Just since the year 2000, U.S. racing has suffered a net loss of 34 tracks. All other metrics, race days, races, field sizes, foal crops, and yes, attendance and handle are also down. Some 50% of what they were just 30 years ago. But even more telling is this. The bulk of the American horse racing industry is being heavily subsidized, with many tracks wholly propped up 
by slots and other gaming revenue. To use our own state as an example, it is no exaggeration to say that if not for this corporate welfare, money, mind you, that should be going to education instead. All seven harness tracks, and quite possibly even likely Finger Lakes and Aqueduct would have closed years ago. Clearly, full-service independent casinos and state lottery games are winning the market, and soon this competition will become that much stiffer with all sports betting. But legislators, swayed by industry talk of job loss and tradition, keep sending lifeboats, which is not only an affront to our free market principles, but allows for the continued killing of horses in the process. Beyond the economics are the changing times in which we live. Sensibilities toward animal exploitation, most especially regarding entertainment, are rapidly evolving. In just the past few years, Ringland Brothers has closed for good, ending 146 years of animal abuse. SeaWorld, after being exposed by the, black, the documentary Blackfish, has ended its captive breeding program for orcas and remains in slow, steady decline. Sir, I should wrap up. You have about a minute. I'm sorry? Yeah, wrap up. About a minute. You have about a minute. Okay. Both this state and Illinois have banned the use of elephants in entertainment, and most tellingly and most relevant to the issue at hand, just this past November, Floridians voted overwhelmingly by an over two-to-one margin to outlaw greyhound racing in that state, a monumental win for animals that will in one fell swoop shutter 11 of the nation's final 17 tracks, leaving dog racing in America all but dead. So the question becomes, why is horse racing exempt? Especially given that the scale of killing and the death of suffering dwarfs all those other industries combined. We live in 21st century America. We can, we should, we must be better than this. Thank you. Thank you. We have questions from Senator Jordan. I mean, the economic impact of the equine industry in New York State is that it produces $5.3 billion. Naira races generate $2.2 billion in handle annually. And New York's equine industry supports 42,400 full-time jobs. What do we do about it? You can't just erase all Sure. That. Well, for, first off, most of those jobs aren't very high paying, so we have to keep that in mind. Secondly, throughout our nation's history, myriad, myriad businesses and industries have come and gone. That's the way it works in a capitalistic society. The classic example is the horse and buggy. Remember all the hand-wringing, you know, back at the turn of the century when the automobile was introduced. Uh, but secondly, you know, we believe that money is no way to decide issues of morality, and this is fundamentally a moral issue. Um, and then, as I referred to, the bulk of the racing in New York State is being subsidized. There would be no harness tracks today, and that's not my opinion. You could ask the harness people that. They'll say the same thing, if not for the slots money. And that's money, mind you, again, that should be going to education. All state-sponsored gambling is supposed to benefit the public good, education specifically. I think it's to the tune of over $200 million a year that the New York State horse racing industry is receiving in corporate welfare. So I ask you, is that an industry that is too big to fail? You talk about morality, and I'm not saying that the almighty dollar is the morality we should follow, but what about the families that depend on that dollar? And morality and our what we have to look after is their welfare as well. 
Right, so have. I understand the question, and it's not as if I don't have any sympathy, you know, for those people. I'm sure they're very hardworking folk. But is that within government's purview to salvage and, you know, businesses that the public no longer wants? You could go to 70% of the purse money at the harness track, 70% is coming directly from slots money, not from handle and attendance. You can go to Yonkers or Monticello or Saratoga Gaming and Raceway, and there's nobody there. And if there are, it's just those, you know, the stereotypical 65-year-old demographics are poor. They're not drawing the younger generations, partly because of competition, but partly also because of those changing sensibilities. The younger generations get it. This is animal exploitation. It's not sport. And so you know, the question we have to ask as a society, is this something we want to continue to prop up when the public no longer demands it? 